Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help their fellow men, hoping we can make Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Blog Talk Radio, where we have always a very special guest to talk about primarily our Christian life in the midst of the marketplace, in the the world in which we live, the culture around us, uh, making those connections which are so important to uh, all of our lives, and uh, especially now when things are getting so messy in the world. Um, it's been really great to hear so many uh, wonderful Christian thinkers who are thinking about life and about the world and, and uh, what is our role as, as believers. And uh, our guest today uh, certainly um, is uh, qualifies as, as one of the Great thinkers, and I, I just have known uh, this man for, uh, well, we go back to about 1970, um, when uh, 70, 71, when I first uh, accompanied him on his crusades. Uh, <clears throat> uh, Leighton Ford was, a uh, for many years, an associate evangelist with the Billy Graham Association, and uh, he was doing crusades in uh, towns like uh, uh, Springfield, Illinois, Jackson, Mississippi, um, places like that, that I remember that I was able to go and be a kind of a liaison to the, uh, the youth in, in that particular town where we were holding, where he was holding nightly meetings very much like the, the Billy Graham crusade meetings. And uh, uh, I, I pretty much cut my teeth. Uh, Layton gave me a platform in those early years. And uh, that was back when, uh, when schools would, uh, would allow uh, me to come in because I was part of the Billy Graham evangelistic association. And uh, they were, they were amenable to things like that. And uh, so I would do a, pretty much a, a secular concert to do cover tunes and and entertain the kids at uh at an assembly um and then uh, at the, at their high school or junior high and then I would also then I usually sing one or two of my own songs and and uh, let everybody know about the crusade and invite them especially to a youth night and which uh then I would also sing there at the crusade and uh that was a great way to uh, get a lot of kids out. Um, I felt a little bit kind of like a Pied Piper. And uh, that, that was, uh, those were the early days. Leighton went on to uh, host and, and direct the uh, Lausanne Congress on evangelism, world evangelism, uh, no, no small gig uh, by any stretch. 
and uh, and then uh, as of late, uh, he is primarily mentoring young pastors. Now I mean, he's doing many other things. He he paints, he writes beautifully, and uh, of course speaks um, and uh, and mentors and all that stuff. But uh, he's also a, a great thinker, and I, I my my fondest memories, Leighton, were uh, times when we were in a uh, uh, like in a uh, uh, oh uh, a, a, a university, and we were uh, talking to the students, and especially in a secular university, and uh, watching you handle their their questions about God and about truth and, and you always did that so well. Um, it's uh, just great to have you back to uh, blog talk radio Leighton, And I am looking forward so much to uh, talking with you tonight. Thank you, John. I'm glad to talk with you. Are you hearing <laughs> me? Okay. I can hear you just fine. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking, I remember your songs, John. Love him in the morning when you see the sun <laughs> arising. Hey, those are classics. You, you can go back. He's talking about 1970. That's about 50 years ago. You must have been 10 years old. Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> but you were, you, you were a pipe piper. And I especially remember the University of Virginia. You and I and Tom Skinner were there. There you go. And uh, – and it was on Jesus Christ versus Christianity. And uh, I remember there, the three of us were there representing sort of three different cultures, but all about Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That was, oh, that, that was special. And I remember the, uh, I remember we gave questionnaires out to the students there and said, uh, when I think of Christianity, I think of blank, 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 had them hand them in. And there was one that said that when I think of Christianity, I think of, Racism and poverty and the Thirty Years' War and oppression, all those things. And I remember the last night, there was one young guy who waited until the very end when everybody else had gone. And he said, uh, you, 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 you read that thing the first night that was filled out? I said, that's right. He said, I wrote that. I said, you did? He said, mm-hmm. yes. He said, that was my impression of Christianity. But he said, through you and John Fisher and Tom Skinner, I've seen Jesus in a new way. He said, I gave my life to Christ tonight. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so wow, that, those are wonderful memories. Whoa. You you had more you had more hair back then, than I think you do now. Yeah, but I did. You still have you still have that liveliness in the Lord about you. <laughs> uh, oh, that's so great. Well, Leighton, gosh, who would have thought we'd be where we are now in uh, in 2020 with what is going on? in the world. And so let's just jump right in. Okay. I mean, we've got the pandemic, we've got political divide, lies and truth and blame and shame, conspiracy theories. Boy, you know, what, what Leighton are, what do you think? This is a huge question, but you, so you can pick it where, pick up wherever you want. Uh, what do you think are some of the most pressing issues for for us as Christians um, in, in the world due to what's going on in our culture today? I think it's to honestly acknowledge suffering. That's nothing new. Buddhists mm. know that there's suffering. Hindus know there's suffering. Muslims do, and we certainly do, because we worship a Lord who was on a cross. And uh, 
in the middle of going to the cross for the sins and evil of the world, it says, for the joy that was set before him, he despised the cross. I've been thinking about that. Actually, I was out on a walk with my dog a few minutes ago and thinking about what's going on in our world. And how that Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, despised the cross, enduring the shame, because he had that great hope. And uh, yes, it's been a tough year, the year of the pandemic. And for Jeannie and me, we've been uh, close to home, isolated in some ways. And yet, uh, we've always had a world that has suffering in it, and it's the cross that makes the change. So we got to keep going back there to a suffering Savior who is also alive and and at work, and I think in amazing ways, even in the midst of this pandemic and all the all the untruth there, where do we find truth? For me, it's in the person and the words of Jesus. Hmm. Amen. Amen. We've got to get to uh, get back to the red letters. I mean, what, it, it, it's it's so hard, you know. That we have such a division going on in in the country. And I, I think something that we've never experienced before in my lifetime until in the last few years, I've noticed this happen. Uh, it, it used to be, you know, Leighton, that uh, we had one source of, of news, you know. I mean, kind of New York Times is kind of the main deal, you know. Uh, and uh, and you had how many how many TVs do you have, uh, you know, two, four, and 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 uh, – and six or whatever the channels were, you know, we had CBS, NBC, ABC, and that was it. And, uh, uh, so everybody, everybody knew what we were talking about and, and we, we could talk in the public square, but now Leighton, you know, everybody's getting their news from the internet. They're getting it from this side or that side and everybody gets the news the way they want it now and uh gosh i mean how can we even have a conversation um with everything divided so uh what what do you do you have any comment and even, on and even, and even with our own families i've got a granddaughter yeah. or mid-teens and she's part of the cancel culture as a so-called today that if someone and she has a very strong political views if anybody doesn't agree with her she cuts them off oh uh, and, and so we, we are seeing that. I think yeah. we've got, you know, we are, there are so many voices out there, and you're right. There's a multiplicity of voices, uh, different news media. Are you for Fox? Are you for CNN? Do you read the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times? Or are you with uh, one, of the, one of the radical uh, groups? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we've got, we have to get back to the place where we listen. You know, Jesus was... He was a great teacher. He was also a great listener. And I hmm. remember the, the wonderful story of the woman who was searching for truth. Uh, and she was, uh, Jesus was out in the desert, and he saw her by a well. He started talking mm-hmm. to her. And um, if, you, if you follow that story, she says four times as many words as Jesus did. Jesus listened carefully to her. Hmm. I think we have to learn to listen to each other in a, in a new way. And, and he un- and she understood that she was looking for the truth. She said, "Now where should we worship God here, or with the Jews in Jerusalem?" And he said, "We must worship Him in spirit and in truth." So that's what he- that's what he embodied. So I I think he teaches us. You know, yeah, there there is a there's a lot of noise around us. So much noise that we're mm-hmm. that someone has said we're we're in a state of continuous partial attention, continuous mm-hmm. partial attention with all our media, wow. listening to this, that, and the other thing. 
I think we need to have times when we stop quietly and listen. What's what are we? What's that still small voice inside saying to us? And uh, that's when we begin to begin to listen to God's still small voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think, I'm finding that that more and more myself. Uh, and, and Leighton, don't you think too? It's uh, like you said, listening to each other. You know, as Jesus listened to the woman. If we have all these different sources that people are getting their information from, we can't just start by talking because uh, we don't even know who we're talking to or where they're coming from. Isn't that well, true? Back, back when, back, well, back when you and I were at the University of Virginia many years ago, a different generation, mm-hmm. uh, that's why we asked the question, when you think of Christianity, what do you think of? We, were, we listened to them. And yeah. then they could listen to your speaking. They could listen to Tom Skinner, who was sort of a radical black evangelist, and they could could listen to what I had to say because I think they realized we were listening to them too. It's a wonderful thing to know that God listens. You know, I've got to stop and say, God's listening while you and I are talking, John. Uh, who was the philosopher Carl Jung said, invoked or not, God is present. Mm. Invoked or not, God is present. God is listening. Right now, huh. someone asked Mother Teresa one time. She said, uh, "They said, when do you when do you pray? What is it like? What do you do?" She said, "I listen." Hmm. And they said, "Well, what?" Dan Rather, the CBS correspondent, asked her that in an interview. What do you do? She said, "I listen." He said, "What has God said?" She said, "He listens." <laughs> <laughs> so they're listening to each other. <laughs> listen, listen to each other. And I'm, uh, I'm trying to listen to you here today. Yeah, <laughs> and I do. I've written. I've written. I wrote a book uh, this last uh, last year, John. It's sort of a memoir about my own life, the voices I've listened to across the years that have formed or misshaped. Yeah. All of us have those voices that either shaped or misshaped us, and uh, certainly I had those voices. But uh, I think out of the many voices that we hear all clamoring around us, if we listen to that one, uh, that voice, that Mary Oliver, the poet, the wonderful poet died recently, she said that beautiful young man's voice. If we listen for his voice, we, we can begin to find our own voice. That, I'll say that again. Out of the many voices that we hear, and it's often too many, if we listen for his voice, which we find in, his, in the scripture, mm. in other people, in our own hearts, if we listen for his voice, then we begin to find our own voice. Mary Oliver had another wonderful poem called The Mockingbird. said, the mockingbird is the thief of other people's voices. And I think a lot of us are like that. We hear all these other voices. Can we listen so deeply to God's voice that then we begin to find our own mm-hmm. voice, which could be a very simple voice of just saying, right now, God, you made me. Mm-hmm. I want to know you. You, you said you sent Jesus. I want I want to hear your voice. Amen. Uh, I want to tell everybody about that book. The book that Layton's talking about right now is called A Life of Listening. That's no surprise. Discerning God's Voice and Discovering Our Own. Uh, a memoir by Layton Ford. A very beautiful book that uh, I uh, definitely want to recommend to all of you. Uh, well, thank and, you for and, that, John. 
Yeah, don't you don't you have another book, Clayton, that has some of your art? Yes, I do actually. Um, Tell us about that one. It's called Places of the Heart. Places of the Heart. I started to paint when I was in my 60s. I never thought I would doing that. I later found out I had some ancestors who were quite prominent artists in Canada. Hmm. But I never thought of doing that. But uh, I picked up a book on painting and started to do it and and found that it was very important to me that it helped me to see. Hmm. Uh, one of the great artists say, if you could see as I see, you could paint as I paint. The other thing about Jesus, he was a listener. He was also an artist. I call him an artist of the soul. Oh, that, wow. uh, he would say He would see people as they were, like his primary disciple before Paul was Peter. And it started out when Jesus saw this rough, tough, rough-hewn fisherman. He said, I know you. You're Simon. You shall be Peter. He didn't just see the roughness and the toughness of him. He saw the potential within him. And that's where I think Jesus is a great. Well, Vincent van Gogh said Jesus was an artist. He was greater than the artist. He painted people. Well, you know, I have... Uh, it sounds like you might even describe or define an artist as a, as a, as a listener, like you have. I my my favorite definition of an artist over the years is is one who stays a little longer. Which, Ooh, I like that. <laughs> which is very similar, though. It's it's staying with something long enough to to hear something and uh, and to feel it and uh, connect with it in some way and then then be able to capture that and pass it on uh to somebody else and uh that's that's why i i i believe artists enrich our lives yeah someone you know, wrote a so, someone someone wrote a song one time who was it i have seen jesus my lord he's here in plain view do you remember who wrote that song yeah yeah i do Where's yeah that? Where did that? Where did that John, where did that? What, what, what were you saying? Where did that come from? I have seen Jesus, my Lord. Mm-hmm. He's here in plain view. Where did that take come look, from for you? Take a look. Open your eyes. He'll show it to you. Um, that actually came from sitting on a cliff over um, the uh, the ocean up in the, near Santa Cruz, where I was working at Mount Hermon uh, Conference Center. Yeah, and uh, just experiencing what was happening in front of me um a beautiful thing but now you're starting to interview me Leighton, and, and <laughs> yeah you didn't say i couldn't yeah <laughs> you know i uh john i'm i'm, th- I'm thinking too of uh you know that there's a great story in the, the story of the early church the the acts of the early church where a jewish uh, well, Peter, Simon Peter, the one that I was talking about, that Jesus took and saw his potential. Um, he had a dream. And in the dream, he saw a great sheet left down from heaven with all kind of animals in it, including many animals that were actually not kosher. They were unclean to the Jews. And in the dream, a voice said, take and eat. Hmm. And he said, oh, Lord, I can't do that. I've, I, I've, I've never eaten anything that's unclean. And God said to him in this dream, don't you call unclean what I've called clean. Now, mm-hmm. that, that dream opened uh, the door for Peter because right after that, someone came to him and said, there's a Roman uh, army officer who is searching for God, and he wants to meet you. Would you come to his house? 
Well, Peter had never gone to a Gentile's house. He thought you would, didn't do that. That was unclean. But he went because God had spoken to him. And when he got there, and Cornelius welcomed him very generously, Peter said, I'm here not to tell you what a message for you, what God said to me. Don't call any person unclean. Mm. And I thought, John, uh, what a great story that of today mm. when we have so many divisions uh, racially mm-hmm. between white supremacists and and uh, uh, black people. Uh, can we, could we go to each other's house and have mm. a dream from God and say, uh, God, no, no one's unclean. God, God's called each one of us in a special way. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's what that's what God is doing. And he breaks down those uh, those walls between us, the walls of misunderstanding, by speaking to us in dreams, sometimes and in visions, to see the Jesus who, you know, this Christmas time is a uh, the, the the message of Christmas was a message of joy. The angels said. There's some ordinary shepherds. They weren't educated. They weren't big leaders at all. Ordinary shepherds on a hillside. An angel comes and says, I've got good news of great joy for all people, all people, all people. Hmm. And that began to break down the walls between Jew and Gentile. And today it should between black and white and brown. That's uh, Jesus is the one at the cross. Billy Graham used to say the ground is level at the foot of the cross, Hmm. level at the foot of the cross. Wow. Amen. Oh, that's great. Layton. You know, when, when we were talking uh, yesterday, Layton, you, you brought up a word um, that you've been thinking about lately that, that seems to be what we're, we're missing also in our, our culture. And that word is trust. Uh, can you talk about, tell us a little bit about some of your thoughts about that? I read a column from uh, David Brooks, that fine columnist, uh, last week who said, recovering trust is the task of this next generation. Hmm. Uh, Recovering trust is the task of the next generation. And I think that's true because the divisions, the different, the, the media, do you believe the ones on the left or the right? We've been let down so often including my religious leaders that have talked a good talk, but they haven't walked the walk, that there's a, there's a huge need. And where do we start with that? Uh, I, I think where is, or where, where is someone who is absolutely trustworthy? Of course, for me, I believe it's, uh, it is Jesus. But I think we have to begin perhaps by being honest about our own sins and our own failures mm. and our own and, uh, and where we've fallen short. Maybe start with, with those of us who are followers of Christ. Um, I read about mm. an interesting story where there's a, a, a Christian novelist in the Middle East, Syrian, I believe, who would go to the Muslim leaders at the great uh, Al-Azhar University in Cairo, and he would sit down with them, and read the Sermon on the Mount with them. Said, so here's what Jesus said, here's how we should live. Do you see us as Christians living that way? Wow. Hmm. Uh, what about that? Do you <laughs> see us as Christians living that way? Hmm. Um, and, and of course, I mean, they, they were respectful of, of with each other. And I think many of them probably listened to what Jesus had to say for the first time 
because we are not we're not super saints. We are sinners who've fallen short. And I think in our politics, John, I think we've you know we're, when we when you vote for someone, we're not voting for super saints. Everyone we vote for, if you and I were running, it would be true. It's all of sin and come short of the glory of God. That's why mm. the National Prayer Breakfast years ago, the great Bishop Fulton Sheen was speaking, and he started out and said at the prayer breakfast in Washington, all of the Supreme Court was there, the senators, the congressmen, President Carter was there. And he started out and said, Mr. President Carter, Mrs. Carter, and fellow sinners. <laughs> there, there was a gulp, and then everybody started laughing, and they knew it was true. So maybe if we could start, not by saying how right we are, but saying, hey, uh, we are fellow sinners in need of a Savior, in need of mm. someone who is the truth. Um, help me. That's true in AA. You know, people, you start in AA, and people start off and say, my name is whoever. I am an alcoholic. Maybe if we could start just with a knowledge of how far short we come. But say yeah. there is hope. Because there's there's one who is true, and yeah. Never let me down. Well, along those lines, Leighton, I I know you're working with a lot of pastors these days. What what do you hear from them? What what are the pastors telling you? Uh, they're tired. They're tired. Hmm. They're weary. They wow. they find uh, they're discouraged in many cases. They find division in their congregations uh, politically. Uh, some of the p- people have expectations of them. They're, I mean, they're human. But uh, that, that's why in our ministry, with my son Kevin and myself, we are focusing a lot these days on trying to come alongside the pastors who are, have a genuine calling. They want to serve the Lord, but they need someone to be there to encourage them. I, uh, you know, in my own ministry, which, as you said, after many years with Billy, uh, mm-hmm. I felt called to help to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. My wife, Jeannie, was asking me over breakfast one day, what is our mission statement in Leighton Ford Ministries? Well, we had crafted, John, a group of us crafted this long, careful mission statement and nice phrases and sounded good. And I recited that to her. Her response was, that's way too long. <laughs> so I said, okay. She said, can you make it shorter? And so this came to me. People who are involved in ministry need safe times, safe places, and safe people to keep going for the long run. Mm. I first heard that from a pastor at Mount Hermon, the the conference you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Jesus had safe times, safe places, safe people. Mm. And I think, John, it's not only pastors that need that, but we all need that. And the struggles that we're going through, Mm -hmm. uh, young people need it. People my age who are older, what's ahead for us? You in the middle? Yeah. We need safe times, safe places, safe. We need community, community yeah. where we can be accepted and belong. And I think for yeah. many people, belonging comes before believing. They need to have a place where they belong and accepted, regardless of background, strength, weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And that's that's Jesus' house. Ah, uh, boy, how true that is! Wow, that's great. Um, well, I. I, I hate how fast uh, time seems to fly when we when we get talking like this. Um, but I I'm I, I'm going to throw you I'm going to throw you a a, a curve here. Um, uh oh. <laughs> no, I think I, I you know you have uh, you have gone through in your life, Leighton, probably uh, 
the most horrible thing a, a parent can go through, and and that's the death of your own son, uh, Sandy, in, in the prime of his youth. And uh, um, I know that was many years ago, but but uh, I know that uh, I'm assuming that you live that in some way uh, uh, every day. And uh, I'd love to. I know there's a lot of people who have gone through loss and, and there are people who are going through loss right now with the, with the pandemic. Um, what, uh, what, what have you learned out of that? Like, and, and how is that still with you uh, today? Clayton? Well, his beauty is still with me, John. And it's interesting you ask that now because we just passed the anniversary of his death. He mm-hmm. died at the age of 21 during surgery for a runaway heart condition at Duke Medical Center the day after Thanksgiving. Uh, and I had prayed I had prayed the night before, God, heal him if you can. Why wouldn't you? I'm his father. I'd heal him if I could. <laughs> and God did not heal him. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a huge, huge loss. And yes, I feel it. I mean, after 40 years, uh, it's not as acute, but I'd, I'd give anything to have him back. But it's... Um, out of, out of that loss, there came a desire for my wife, Jean, and myself to help other young men and women to run their race for the Lord. That's one of the reasons we started this ministry. Hmm. Uh, we miss him. We, But uh, I have in my bedroom a beautiful photo of Sandy taken that same year at his sister's wedding. And next to it, verses that we found on his bedside in the hospital after he died. It's from the psalm. The psalm that says, Whom I have I in heaven but you? My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and a portion mm. forever. Wow. And Sandy left a, left a note for us uh, of the hope that he had. He said, I think I'll come through this. I hope I will heal. If I, if I don't, know that I love you devotedly always. That, you know, someone said there are, pla- there are places in our heart we don't even know are there until they're broken open. Mm. And I think God used that to break open places in my heart know myself, feel for others, care for others who have gone through losses. Mm-hmm. It would not have happened otherwise. I wouldn't plan it that way. But God wow. used God uses even the pain. Wow. Wow. What a what a beautiful thing that uh that he would he would leave that for you. Um amazing. Well uh Leighton our time's up um, we will do this again because um, I just love love having you on and I love talking with you and and uh, hearing what we what we got and we just got to keep uh, keep our eyes focused on the truth and keep our eyes on Jesus and who knows what what the future holds for us um, these are in, indeed uh, uh, unstable days but those are sometimes the best days for men and women of faith. Don't you think? I, I agree. And I've seen that of many people who have, have opened up their hearts in a new way during these days. You know, we all need to wear masks, John, to pr- protect other people, but we don't have to wear a mask with God. We don't have to wear a mask with God. Hmm. We can take it off and just be open to him under whom all hearts are known and nothing oh. is hidden. Knowing uh, he loves us with an everlasting love, the great artist who will make us what he wants us to be. Uh, 
Leighton, thank you so much. Thank you, John. Yeah. And it may be a well, joyful Christmas, not not a Merry Christmas, a joyful Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Beautiful. Thanks, Leighton. And uh, till next time, uh, uh, we love you and uh, give our love to your, uh, to Jeannie and, uh, and uh, keep on keeping on, my friend. And you too, my friend. Yeah. All right. There you go, folks. Dr. Leighton Ford, formerly with the Billy Graham Association. Now he has his own ministry mentoring young pastors and helping them have a safe place. Boy, do we need that. And uh, I want to remind you about Leighton's book, A Life of Listening, Discerning God's Voice and Discovering Our Own. I like that part, too. And uh, I'm sure you can get it uh, anywhere, Amazon, and uh, you can find it anywhere you want. So uh, that was great. Um, Thank you again, Leighton, for um, the words. And uh, we will... uh, We'll keep keep holding on here until until the next time. Uh, God bless you.